Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his See, make sure that was me. Um, I know last week we recognized the high school graduates, and that was a pretty cool deal. This past week I got to attend the eighth grade graduation because my second granddaughter, Possum, graduated over at the middle school. I've thought about that since then. Um, some 45 years ago, I got out of the eighth grade. We didn't have graduation. It wasn't my fault that we didn't have graduation. <laughs> but the world that I stepped into after that middle school experience is not the same as the world that she's stepping into now. And that's not all good. So, my charge to you guys, pray for these kids, not just the high schoolers. These eighth graders now have four years of high school in some ways, four years of ugly, but hopefully four years of good as well. So keep those folks in your prayers regularly. I would also lift up the search committee. I've been on one of those, and it's long, drawn out, lots of patience. Pray for their wisdom, pray for their discernment and their judgment, that all of that would be done in God's will. My number's up here. If there's anything I can do during the week, be sure and call me. I do work out of town if I can't find anybody. Dan Haspel volunteered for anything to be handled while I'm out of town. <clears throat> he just now volunteered, by the way. Um, <laughs> so anyway, send me a text with a prayer request. Give me a call if you need to visit. Uh, if you really need hands-on help, call me anyway. I'll see if I can find somebody to help you out. So let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I just come to you this morning. I just offer you thanks. I lift up our graduates in this time, and it's a time of promotion, a time of moving on, and a, and a time of uh, uncertainty uh, for them, and, but just in the world as well. So I lift them to you. Just have your hand on them, on their hearts, on their paths, on their directions. 
I lift up the search committee as well, Lord, individually, each person to have just patience and wisdom and good judgment and discernment, but as a committee to have unity and focus on your will and following your lead to, to your person and your man. I ask your presence with us today in this worship service. Um, we just uh, open our hearts, open our minds, uh, give us just the the patience to wait and hear what you have to say. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I've got a few things to just tell you all about before we do our, our gospel reading. In June, on Wednesday nights, we are going to have, uh, I think we're calling it summer, summer fun days, fun in the sun. Thank you. I just lost there. Um, as a church, we need to play together some. So that's on Wednesday nights out here. We're going to take advantage of our new play field for some of the things. Um, anybody, anybody pickleball? Anybody play pickleball? There's a few. Okay. I know the ones that do are diehard, right? Okay. Well, we need some of you diehard pickleballers to help us out. We're going we're gonna, to uh, set up some, a couple pickleball courts out here on the parking lot, line them. Um, we're going to do uh, volleyball on one of the nights, kickball. The list is in, the, uh, in your worship program on that little insert. Uh, so join us on one of those Wednesday nights, and let's have fun together. And it's open to all generations as well. So uh, this is not highly competitive. We're just going to have fun. And then I also want to let you know about a mission opportunity in July, July 10 through 14. We are taking a team to St. Louis, all the way to St. Louis. For uh, It's called Urban Reach. We partnered with them last year. Our students did as part of Mission Fuge when we went to St. Louis and had a, just a really inspiring time. And so this year, it's just a short-term trip, and it is open to families as well. So uh, parents and kids can go. Um, again, it's open to all generations. So if you want any more information about that, you can chat with me after the service. Or um, More information is coming. We're just sort of pulling this together. Let's stand up again and read our gospel reading John, from John chapter 14. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. John 14, 23 through 29. Amen. You may be seated. 
Well, have you ever looked at something but not focused on it and someone called your attention to the fact that you were, you know, you, maybe you were looking at them, but you weren't really looking at them. You were looking past them and they, are you looking at me? And it's like, no, I was looking this morning. Let's turn our focus completely on our Savior and let's behold him. Walked across the page. 
Future is heaven. I praise God. 
all stand together, read aloud our psalm reading. This is Psalm 67. You all feel like you are blessed by God. He has been gracious to us, and we have been given the gift to bless others. Read with me. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the earths of the earth will fear him. Psalm 67. Thank you. 
certainly God does great things. I don't know about that dancing and freedom part, but, <laughs> but he does great things, yeah. This, this today, all across the state of Missouri, we are saying thank you to people who, who volunteer and they, they put on the trademark gold shirt and those gold caps and they go and they go into the disasters that are happening all across our state and various places in the country and they bring help and hope and healing and so today we we say thank you to all of our disaster relief volunteers and so thank you While I'm expressing appreciation, I want to say thanks to Robert and Nancy St. George for uh, 49 years role modeling a healthy long-term marriage. Thank you, Robert and Nancy. So um, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And as we were singing Behold Him this morning, images of art uh, I've seen in the past uh, with pictures of, of Jesus in it were rushing through my mind as I sought to behold him. And I do not have a picture for you this morning, so you'll have to, you will have to just bear with my word picture so I tried, to, I tried to get a picture for you because I, I knew you would appreciate it, but it's, it's the cover of an old Arkansas Baptist news magazine. And those are printed in dots. And when you, when you make a copy of them and you put them on the large screen, all you see are these huge dots. And, and, and you would miss the fact that in the picture, my hair covered my forehead. You would miss the fact that in the picture, my hair covered my ears. And you would miss the fact that in the picture, my hair covered my collar. Are you beginning to get the picture? See, so words do work. Words do work. So I had, I had just been elected the president of the Arkansas Baptist Student Union, and they put the pictures of the three officers on the cover of the Arkansas Baptist News Magazine. And I began to receive mail, not congratulating me for being elected as one of the officers, of the Baptist Student Union, but because I was because of the length of my hair, people people were incredibly judgmental. They even they even sent me a copy. One person even sent me a copy of the cover uh, of the of the um, news magazine, and they'd written across it and drawn an arrow to the to my hair. And, said, and, and on the arrow, it said, hippie. 
So this was, now you keep in mind, this was the early 70s, you know? So, so um, the Bible, the, and, 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 and also received this message. Let me just share this with you because I, 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 can, I can quote this. So it came to me this way. Um, so it was, it was said, okay, so one of them said this. Does not the very nature of things teach you that a man, if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? So people use the Bible all the time, wrongly. They abuse the scripture and they abuse people with it. So when we take, when we pull this verse out of, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, out of its context, then we bully people with it. When we miss the whole point that the, the chapter is about honor, not hairstyle. See, Paul, Paul writes to us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 through 16, he, he gives us some principles surrounding the idea and the overall picture of honoring God in worship. And so it's about honor in worship, not just, not just in this chapter 11, but he, he's getting into a whole section. I'll come back to that in a moment about honor in, in worship. So what we have to remember when we're studying God's word or when we're teaching God's word is that in the scriptures, we find principles, practices, and assumptions. Principles are timeless. They apply to churches in every generation. Principles are universal. They apply, they have a one-to-one -one correlation that that spans the gap of time and applies equally to churches in every, in every cultural context. So these are principles that when we find them in the scripture, they, they are solid for us and we build our teachings on the principles. Sometimes in scriptures, and Paul gives us some examples of this here in this passage, he deals with he deals with um, practices. Practices are, they are time bound and they are connected to specific situations. And practices are not necessarily transferable from one church to another in one age or another. And so sometimes Paul will write to one church about some practices that are going on in that particular church but he doesn't come over to another church and and apply those principle or those practices to them because they're not dealing with that situation. The situation is different. So he's dealing, but the problem comes, the problem comes when years later, we want to take practices, the length of a person's hair, and make them into a principle. A principle that says everybody has to follow this same line. This text 
This text uh, um, just uses some practices um, that were, they were used against me when I was much younger as I shared with you the story. But many, and many times, many times in a text, there's also some assumption. So sometimes Paul's laying down things that are principles applicable to everywhere, every time. Sometimes he's just touching on practices because the practice is a problem in the local church. And sometimes, sometimes he says things that people in his day understood because they were a part of the context. And so he doesn't necessarily flesh it out because they know what he's talking about. Centuries later, we may not understand or know what he was talking about. We don't have all of the picture they had and because he just assumes a common knowledge. We, and for example, uh, Paul thanks the Corinthians for holding to the traditions. He, he nowhere tells us what the traditions are. You know, we're left to wonder, what is he talking about? So it's, so it's important for us to keep in mind these, that sometimes we're reading and studying principles Sometimes we're reading about practices, and sometimes, sometimes we don't really know fully what's going on with, with the text that we're studying. And so we learn, though, we learn from the principles. The backdrop for chapters 11 through 14, Paul puts it this way in, in, at the end of chapter 10. When he writes, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow Christ's example. So he opens chapter 11 with, with, the prince, with the praise for the Corinthians. He says in verse 1 or verse 2, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding the traditions just as I pass them on to you. Then he abruptly shifts to the first of two principles in the, in the passage. The principle of headship. When he says the head, verse 3, the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, the words he uses for man and woman are interchangeably can be husband or wife. So some translations will say husband, wife. Some say man, woman. The words can go either way. It is, the end result is the same. He's talking about clearly about 
men and women, husbands and wives, in the experience of worship. So in verses 4 through 6, he, helps, he, he addresses this issue of dishonoring your head. When he says, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishon uh, dishonors her head. So there was some cultural connection, context for what Paul was saying. He was, you know, the, the uh, Jewish men would cover their heads. Uh, in prayer, and and the the Roman men would cover their heads uh, in their worship, and the and but the Greeks did not, and so Paul Paul is addressing this whole issue of of how we show honor in the expressions of worship, because he talks about the practices of prayer and prophecy as a part of. Uh, are as expressions of public worship. And, and, and when he speaks to the women about having their long hair, the cultural context was in the city of Corinth, there was a lot of paganism. And the worship in the pagan temples included temple prostitutes. And the temple prostitutes identified themselves many times by shaving their head. Their, so their heads were shaven. And, and so if they were, so to the believing women in worship, he was saying, don't be identified. Don't be identified with the pagan worshipers by your hairdo. See? So the whole, so he wants, he's encouraging them. And this principle of headship, first of all, to not dishonor their head. Both, both the woman, husband, or the man and the woman, either husband or wife, are, to, are the glory of another. He says to us in verses 10 or verse 7, a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image of the glory of God. But woman is the or it's the glory of man. Paul illustrates this by way of, of creation. What he said in verses 8 and 9. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And so Paul is describing this relationship that the glory we have is not our own glory. It, glory comes from another. And, and it comes from the image of God, resident in both male and female, by the way. And, and, and as Paul, as Paul is, he's just encouraging this church because at Corinth, apparently this was a problem. Although he doesn't introduce it in the same way as he's introduced other problems, um, he apparently is dealing with with a problem uh, that's taking place in, in their worship of the lack of honor. And when we get to chapter, verses 17 and following, when he starts dealing with the Lord's Supper, that lack of honor just glares at us. See, and, 
And as Paul is talking about this principle of headship, you see, God, so you think of it this way. It's a matter of, of order and orderliness. So you have Christ is the head of the man, and the man is the head of the woman. Um, that is not, that's not necessarily an authority over is not necessarily a source of, which the word head can be used either of those two ways. What Paul is trying to help us understand is that in the process of our worship, we should be honoring one another in the practices of our worship. He also, he also wants women, speaks to them directly at this particular point, wanted women to act responsibly and on their own, and, and use good judgment, in other words, regarding this question of, of coverings, head, head coverings. The, you see, both the men and the women were engaging in prayer and prophecy publicly, in the church. So it was not what they were doing, it was the manner in which they were doing it that was becoming a problem related to the head coverings. And so Paul says to, says to the, the women for, in, in, in verse 10, for it is this reason that, that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Now, there's one of those assumptions. The people in the crowd that day, when they read first time first this letter, they understood what Paul meant when he said, because the angels. For the rest of us, it's speculation. The reference to angels can be, can be a, a celestial uh, beings, or it can be messengers, used both ways. And, you know, I I'll leave that one for you to figure out because it's not critical to our understanding of how we honor each other. So Paul then brings us to the second principle. It's the principle of interdependence. Paul wrote in verses 11 and 12, nevertheless, in the Lord... Woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman came from the man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. This principle of interdependence balances the principle of headship and calls us to to mutual relationships and, and to reciprocity in the experience of worship. So Paul, so in our practices of worship, both men and women are equally involved. We're not separating one from the other. I, I remember for years, and it may still be, be that way because it's been a long time since I've been there. But when I became the pastor of 
Terry's home church, I noticed something intriguing about the, pra- about the practice of this particular congregation. The men all sat on one side of the building and the women all sat on the other side of the building. So the families, you know, husbands and wives did not sit together. There was a center aisle. They would come in, the women would all go to one side, the men would all go to the other side. I thought that was a little strange that there was such a division. After I'd been there just a little while, I understood the cultural context. In a few minutes, they were going to have Sunday school and the women would have their Sunday school class and the woman teacher would stand and teach the class on one side of the room and the men would have their Sunday school class on the other side of the room. And the man teacher would stand and teach the the men on on his side of the room. And so both of them are teaching. Now the room, the whole room is, is probably not as large as our center section here. And so you have them, they're both going at it. They're teaching away their class. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? You know. Most of the time, there's a reason for why we do things. We, it may not be apparent to those of us who are new to the, new, new to the, the setting. Paul, Paul is talking about this the, uh, worship. And in verses 4 and 5, I'll go back there for just a minute, because this helps us to understand this principle of interdependence. Both the men and the women pray and prophesy out loud in the worship. Now, we get over to chapter 14. Paul's going to talk about telling the women to be quiet. And if they have questions, ask their husbands. Different context. Something else is going on over there. You see, that's where you get into practices. The practices sometimes conflict with each other. The Bible does not contradict itself, but sometimes the practices people engage in do do stand in contrast with each other, and Paul has to address both of these. But in this case, both men and women are praying and they're prophesying in public, and it seems to be, and that's not the issue. It's not a problem. The problem is they were looking a lot like the world with their hairdos. But the text is not about hairdos and hairstyles. It's about honor. So the problem was the manner in which they were, was the manner in which they were praying and prophesying did not honor God and it did not honor each other. And the head coverings put them at risk of losing distinction from the pagan culture where they where, where they lived in the city. And, and Paul's urging to them is that both men and women must fulfill their mutual roles in worship together for it to be a genuine expression of worship. And, and so he gives us two principles. The principle 
of headship and the principle of interdependence. We're all connected together. We're not independent from each other. We're not sitting on separate sides of the room as if we are not connected. We are interdependent. He concludes, he concludes the chapter uh, with, in verse 13 with judge for yourselves. So chapters 14, 11 through 14 deal with problems in worship. In this opening section, Paul gives us three checkpoints for followers of Jesus. So the first checkpoint for us today is, is God being honored in our worship? In our collective corporate worship, is God being honored? Are we being called to behold him? Or is it about us? See, checkpoint number one, is God being honored in worship? Checkpoint number two, am I showing proper regard for others in worship? So how's your attitude check? This attitude check for people down the pew from you, down the aisle, down the row. Am I am I showing am I showing a proper regard for others in worship? And checkpoint number three is: Does our worship give a positive witness of the gospel to the outsider? Do people? To people who have not yet chosen to be a follower of Jesus, does our worship, is our worship presenting the gospel to them and inviting in a way that invites them to become a follower of Jesus? So when we put together our music and our messages, these three checkpoints are out there in front of us always. And when we gather for worship, we gather for worship. You know, as followers of Jesus, I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to check yourself at the door so that when you come in, you come in a spirit of honor for Jesus and honor for each other and in a way that the world will know, the outsiders will know, you are a follower of Jesus. And others of you in the room may not yet have chosen to follow Jesus. You know the story of Jesus, but you've not yet chosen to connect with him and commit to him your life. First Corinthians is about helping Followers of Jesus be better examples of the love of God. When, from beginning to end, this letter offers guidelines for church people on how to love others more. In fact, in a few, 
in a few weeks, we're going to look at that at Paul's famous love chapter where he ends faith, hope, and love. These three abide. But hope or love is the greatest of these. So this letter is trying to teach us how to love better, how to love better. And if you're here and you haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, know this. God loves you. He has demonstrated his love for you in this. While we're still sinners, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Know this also. We love you. And we want the best for you. And the best comes in following Jesus. So today, we're going to sing about his, his mercy. His mercy. And as we sing about his mercy, if you, if you this morning would, cons- if you've not yet committed to follow Jesus, we invite you today to consider Jesus, what he's done for you, and to come and share with us your desire to follow him and receive the gift of his forgiveness as you confess him as Lord of your life. If you're looking for a church home, we'd welcome members at this time. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come and join with us. If you join us online, we invite you to go to our website, firstbaptistclinton.church, and uh, and click the I want Jesus in my life button. Or you may text or call me at my personal number listed on the screen. We stand together and sing. His mercy is more. If you have a decision to make this morning, please come with come to the front and share it with me now.